This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. I'd like to welcome mayoral candidate Jennifer Keysmat. She was with us at the start of her campaign, and now that she's well into it and has made quite a few announcements about what she plans to do if elected, we're checking back with her. The heart of the question really is, who will be a better leader, John Tory or Jennifer Keysmat? Ms. Keysmat says she will base her ideas on the latest thinking and urban planning and design, and that she will get things done. She's called Tory a ditherer. He says that given that she was the chief planner on his watch, it's hard to believe she opposes some of his plans. He says she'll reopen decisions that have been made and hold things up. We want to hear from you about what your priorities are. 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Jennifer Keysmat, welcome. Hello, Libby. Hi. So uh, let's start with the announcement you made just hours ago about revitalizing Young Street. Uh, it sounds very similar to a plan that City Council rejected, correct? It's a plan that is a plan that was uh, developed over two years of consultation with business leaders and area residents. And it's a plan that's all about redesigning the street to make it a real destination. But it's also about redesigning it for safety. There's been, in the two-year period that the study was undertaken, there were over 2,000 collisions in this area. So the opportunity is to make it a safe street and also to make it a beautiful place. Of course, the subway runs right below it, so there's no reason why uh, we need to have a highway running through the heart of what could be one of our most beautiful urban centres. You would take out some car lanes, correct? The redesign is about um, widening the sidewalks and creating on-street parking. It's all about wider boulevards, a green median, so that it's easier for pedestrians to get across the street. So the design here is about shifting how people move. Uh huh. Uh, my recollection is that when this first came up, uh, what uh, was agreed to was kind of a compromise because drivers were really against this particular plan. So my question is that if you're elected, you still have one vote on council. So why do you think you would get it through this time when council voted against it? Well, part of leadership is building a vision and um, getting people <clears throat> to really buy into that vision. And I'll give you a really specific example, because um, a lot of us drive in the city, but also take transit and get around in a bunch of different ways. I don't think we sort of neatly divide up into categories of people who drive and, and people who take transit. More of us kind of use our choices when we can. I was speaking a few weeks ago with a woman who lives just off of the corridor, and she said, oh... You know, if we change this street, it'll make it really hard for me to drive here. And I said, well, do you drive downtown? And she said, oh, no, no. When I go downtown, I always take the subway. And I said, why? And she said, because when I get downtown, I want to walk everywhere. So then I said, well, 
what if we made it so that the North York Centre was an area where you wanted to walk everywhere because it was designed to be beautiful, you felt safe, and you could cross the street without it feeling like a six-lane highway, which is what it is today? Would you take, would you take the subway here instead, instead of driving? And she said, oh, yeah, if you made it more like that, I absolutely would. So I think that just shows that's, that's what leaders do. They, they, they build a vision, and then they deliver on that vision. And I think part of it is we, you know, you said it. It was a compromise. It wasn't based on a vision of the future. And we know it's an extra two, uh, sorry, $20 million for that compromise plan that has worse outcomes than the earlier plan. Uh, yeah, but again, you know, the old saying that politics is the art of, of compromise. So uh, again, my question is, you know, a lot of these things that we end up with are compromises based on competing interests or perceived competing interests, the suburbs, the city. So uh, again, what's your your plan as one vote on council to deal with that? Well, this is an this is an important question. I think all of us um, there's certain things we won't compromise on, right? Like we all know where to draw that line. And whereas you're right, to a certain extent, politics is the art of compromise. On the other hand, there's a risk that we never move forward if we feel that we have to keep everything the same. And I think that's what we're facing in this election campaign. We have a lot of things that are about keeping the city the same, even though, and keeping the infrastructure the same, even though the city's changing. There are a million more people moving into this city over the course of the next 20 years, and we need to be designing our transit system and designing the rest of our infrastructure for a much denser kind of city. That's what we need to be doing. And the risk, of course, is that we say, oh, well, you know, kind of plug our ears and say, hmm, 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 I hope it goes away. But the truth is our city is changing around us. So we need to change the way we deliver infrastructure as well. And a big part of that is really about pedestrian safety. We have a crisis around pedestrians getting hit by cars and getting killed in this city. And that's going to continue to escalate if we don't change the kind of infrastructure that we have to recognize that more people are walking, as we would hope they would, in our city today. Uh, I want to pick up on that, because uh, most of the pedestrian deaths are older people, 65% of them. And we've had, we are now two years into our uh, Vision Zero strategy, but there has been absolutely no decrease in the number of those deaths uh, and and injuries. So, uh, First of all, what's your take on the Vision Zero plan? Is it the right plan? So I've actually been calling it the, the, the fake Vision Zero plan because a Vision Zero plan is about designing our streets in such a way that we prevent preventable deaths. So it's recognizing that people are moving in the urban environment and people shouldn't be fearing for their life or dying. And your point cannot be stressed enough seniors are disproportionately represented in pedestrian deaths. A significant number of the deaths are seniors, and that's why our streets need to be designed to ensure that everyone is safe. Take Transform Young, which we were just talking about. Right now, it's a six-lane highway. The only way we can make that safe for pedestrians to cross and for seniors to cross is to design it in a completely different way. And that's what Vision Zero is about. It is about redesigning our city streets in such a way that they are safe. So, yes, we're two years in. We still have a pedestrian crisis. We haven't made any headway. 
we see other cities of the world that have made enormous headway. And how have they done it? They've done it by redesigning the streets, just like what has been proposed with Transform Young, and that's why we need to redesign that street. That's what Vision Zero is about. Vision Zero is about designing the streets. Well, presumably, every, every time safe. every time we ask about it, we we hear, we're told that the streets are in the process of being redesigned. Is it being done wrong or what? Well, I would say yes. That's precisely why you asked the question about yep. compromise. And uh, sometimes there's certain things you can't compromise. And I would argue that making our streets safe for pedestrians and seniors is something that we should should never compromise, and for children as well. And that's why Transform Young is so important, because it is about making the streets safe. And we are not doing this today. We've not been implementing Vision Zero. Vision Zero is also about an outcome, which is zero pedestrian deaths. And the fact that we have made no headway shows that the design changes that have been made so far are not the right ones. That's where compromise is bad, because it doesn't deliver the outcome that we're looking for in the city, and that outcome is safety. And uh, there, it just got a, another cash infusion, I think about another $20 million, if I'm remembering correctly. Do you think it needs, does it need more money, and, and how much longer will it take to redesign? Well, this is the amazing thing. The If we go back and use as our case study Transform Young, the north part of Young Street, the compromise that Mr. Tory has brought forward costs $20 million more, and it has a longer construction period. So this is the, the, the trade-off here is not one that to do the right thing costs more. That's actually not the case at all. Building a safer street costs less, and it can be delivered more quickly. So that's a really, we, we absolutely have to be strategic about how we spend our tax dollars. And when we have low-hanging low fruit, when we can make the street safer, uh, which is what we can do here, and spend less money, that's a win-win on the outcome scale. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Martin in Brampton. Hi, Martin. Oh, hello. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, yes. I'd like to uh, say that uh, Ms. Keesman has has an excellent idea to take the golf courses and make them into like green space areas. Okay, do you have a question? There's not enough places, especially uh, you're talking about uh, Young Street from, say, Finch down to the 401, where they have the Don Valley Golf Course. Nobody goes there anymore. You know, um, that's and, right. And the all the public golf courses. We could turn them into green spaces where the public can go. Kind of like the way uh, New York City, they took the, the subway line there and they made it green. You could walk all around. You could walk along. Well, it's that you. I think if you're talking about the High Line, it's not the same thing. Martin, do you have a question? Um. No, I just wanted oh. to. Uh, I think it's a great idea that you uh, that she likes to would like to. Um, okay. Save the ten million dollars okay. and oh. redevelop the property so everybody can use it. Okay, well, thanks, thank Martin. Thank you, Martin. That that's uh, you know this is about exactly what we're talking about, Libby. About looking into the future, the usage on on golf courses, public golf golf courses, is way down, and golfing overall. Um, is in a declining trend line, and yet we have this incredible need in our city for public spaces where we can have 
cricket pitches and cross-country skiing and biking and natural areas that have been naturalized where people, these these golf courses are of such a significant area. They, they would be amazing places if we planted the right uh, trees and the right flowers for butterfly gardens and for uh, bird watching. There's all kinds of ways that we can make these spaces into places that can be used all year round. Whereas right now they're only used six months of the year and by a very tiny portion of the population. That's uh, so that's suppose- all that's all true, uh, Jennifer. But um, what do you say to people who say, okay, uh, if you think the city shouldn't be in the golf course business, if you sold those golf courses, you could make hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, but the job of the municipality isn't to sell public assets. <laughs> uh, the job of the municipality is to provide a service to the residents. And, uh, on, on, you know, with that argument, we should start selling all of our parks. Um, but they, have, they provide a service to the residents of the city. So this is about taking an asset that exists but is currently underutilized because it's only used six months of the year. And also it runs at a loss, so it costs a lot of money. Even though the users are declining, it's a smaller and smaller group who are using the golf courses. And what I've proposed is that we take three of the five and that we turn them into places as a result of a consultation process with the adjacent community, that we really turn them into community hubs of activity where we can be using them uh, in a much more significant way than we're, we're using them today. So it's all about the infrastructure that we need to create a livable city. We're adding lots more people. We need to really protect those green spaces and ensure that they're offering the most amount of value possible to the residents of the city. What about property taxes? Uh, What is your position on property taxes? Are you going to hold the line on them, hold them to the rate of inflation like John Tory? Is that a promise? So we have a situation in the in the city where the city is increasingly becoming less and less affordable for many people. And the city of Toronto, as a municipality, should not be increasing that burden, particularly for those who have the hardest uh, the hardest time paying. What I have proposed is a progressive tax, which is on the point zero zero one percent. and that is a pro- that is a tax that is a, uh, a home tax or a luxury home tax that will be dedicated specifically to a rent-to-own program. So really what this is about is asking those who've done the very, very best in our hot real estate market to contribute a bit more so that the next generation of young people can, can make the leap from rental to ownership. And that's, and, uh, sorry, at what level does that luxury tax kick in? There's $4 million? It's on homes that are valued above $4 million in the city. So and that's is, what makes it a progressive tax. And is that is that uh, according to the municipal assessment or according to the real estate market? Because there's a it's big difference. The value, it's on the value of the home, which is really kind of the simplest way to calculate it. Yeah, but whose value? Uh, the current current market assessment. The current market assessment, and right. uh, for the rest of everyone, is it going to be this? Uh, are are you going to commit to leaving it at the rate of inflation, or is that fungible? So my position is, and will continue to be, that the municipality should not be adding any burden and making it more difficult for. Uh, residents in the city who are finding the city increasingly to be more and more affordable, that the municipality should not be increasing that burden. And that's why I proposed a progressive tax. 
Okay, so is that a commitment not to raise property taxes for other people? My commitment is not to increase the burden for those who are currently uh, finding the city to be increasingly less and less affordable. You know, this is about ensuring that our city continues to be a place where newcomers and young people can get a foothold. We know this is essential to growing our economy and attracting businesses. It's also essential to ensuring that the DNA of our city, which is all about people coming from all over the world and making a start in the city, continues to be a key part of the characteristic of our city moving forward. Uh, What about seniors? Any break for seniors who have trouble with their property taxes, want to stay in their homes or on fixed incomes? Yes, absolutely. There's a um, a, a rebate program uh, at the city, which is important, and I will I will maintain, whereby uh, you can pay the property taxes at the time of selling the home, and it's particularly for people who are on fixed income, so that current value assessment doesn't hit them in a way that it compromises being able to stay in your home. Okay, Jennifer Kiesmat, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Libby. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Okay, and uh, we'll take a call from uh, Darko, who's been waiting patiently. Hello, Darko. Hello? Hello? Oh, we lost him. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will still be with the subject of the municipal election. We're going to have a chat with Toronto Sun columnist Sue Ann Levy. She thinks there should be term limits. I bet a lot of other people agree with her. We'll be back uh, after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.